Hey guys, this is Kurt. And Logan. And we're here to talk about Battle Bards. I thought we were here to talk about how you're a terrible father. Pimping out your son. What? 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 Nothing. <laughs> okay. No, Battle Bards is great fantasy audio. I want to know that. Only things I care about are cartoons, balloons, Star Wars, candy, old people's smiles, dogs, Pokemon, video games, fireflies. Do you even know what those are? Existentialist paintings. How do you even know how to say that? The sound of forts, <laughs> ninjas, and electronics. Okay, that's a lot to process. Farts? Really? Oh, but check this out. Lord Ardok is a wooden fortique symbol. Bida octo mon farste outwis mon kasabu haudon fu chi tang gali asparos. Ooh, scary! And this. Ooh, impressive. You can't deny this, though. Noal na o lapireta ikarino ilasa zorge, lapilasa do lape turbs benas. Okay, that's very cool. Okay, Logan. So how much would you pay for that awesome audio? Thirteen point two pesos. There's no such thing as point two pesos. Fifteen hundred yen. Five hundred pinks. Republic credits. That's not even real. That's Star Wars, Logan. Well, let me tell you. You go to battlebars.com. You sign up for an account. And not only do you get that premium auto, but you can get a little something from us also. With the 10 and $25 packages, you get one free track with MFGCast1 as your coupon code. Buy a $50 or $100 package and get five free tracks with the code MFGCast2. That's a half of an album for free just for using that coupon code. Could it be any easier? Buy the $150 and $300 packages. Not only do you get most of Battle Bards fantasy audio, soundscapes, music, sound effects, etc., but you also get 10 free tracks with coupon code MFGCast3. A full album for free for using a coupon code from us. You're welcome. I'll just buy that great audio right now. Wait, but you have to you have to ask your parents permission before you buy. Getting goods from the ocean, running through space, picking up plants, casting magic spells, having monks transcribe, all this and more with Dr. Finn Games. And where are we gonna find this? Here, because this is the MFG cast. <laughs> Another episode without Kurt, but the good news is we have worked out a deal. We do not know who the kidnapper is. We have good authority that they are returning him very, very soon. 
But in the meanwhile, you got two other people from the MFG cast holding you over. This is Dan. This is Kim. And today we are talking about more joys found in your own backyard. And we are talking about not Mr. Bonacore, the well-known guy from Jersey. I think you've heard about him on every other podcast, hence the Podfather. But we are talking about our own local grown, Dr. Steve Finn. Now, this guy is really awesome. Uh, we have a nice little interview with, with him at the end of the show. It was really good times. We caught up with him at DexCon. We see him at all of our local cons. And that alone is an awesome feature. Like, I love the fact that every time there's something going on in, you know, in our backyard or like you know an hour away, he's there. He's promoting his games, playtesting new ideas. He's running events. The guy is awesome. And we played a few of his titles. We own multiples of his titles. And we want to give a little quick spotlight for him. Sound yeah. good? He he's such a nice guy. Just like down to earth. Really likes to talk to people and get their get their uh, take on his games. Yeah. Now, one thing I love is uh, Finn makes no bones about it. When it comes to his games, he likes to make a solid game and then get theme second. Yes. Now, while you can say like, oh, well, the theme feels painted on, or uh, whatever, the good news is you got a good solid game, and they're always fun. It seems like the guy enjoys a little bit of chance. You know, you see a bit of dice in his games and a little bit of randomness going on. But there is planning and there is options. Now, one other thing that I also personally like is many of his games are awesome for two. And he even said, because there's a lot of nights that, like, him and his wife are playing games. So, you know, a game for two is always nice. A lot of his games also go up to four because, you know, they also play with the kids. Yeah. And a lot of his games are also pretty good playtime. Like, about an hour, like, anywhere from, like, an hour, an hour and 15 down to like about 20 minutes at times and that is a great feature because if you ever have a day where you know long day at work maybe like you know wife is running a little late you're running a little late a little bit of mayhem next thing you know it's nine o'clock at night kind of upset because you want to play a board game before you guys call it a night but you only got a little bit of time he's got about like six or seven titles you can break out in that short a while right and it's so thematic that even when you're playing it it doesn't feel like such a short time yeah, it feels longer than it should, but at the same time, it even the length after you found out, I was like, wow, that was an hour. That didn't feel like an hour. Yeah, it's it's like fulfilling gameplay, and what's nice is, like, even if people are a little bit AP, none of his games drag. Like, you know, the choices are there, but you should be making the good play. Like, it's not so deep in layers that you have to plan nine moves ahead. You just kind of got to take care of this turn and maybe the next one. Yeah, I mean, for, like, Institute for Magical Arts, like, I'm not AP heavy. So, like, when I, I just, like, oh, okay, I'll choose this one. But I noticed that I was taking my time for uh, Institute for Magical Arts, trying to read the cards, trying to decide which ones to get. But knowing that how the game plays, what's predetermined for me, I'm like, okay, yeah, so it's, it's easier to make choices for that. All right, so, like, you brought up uh, Institute of Magic for Magic Arts. Yeah. So, like, this... All right, so this will give you an idea of, like, why the Finn games are good. Here's a rundown of the game. Basically, you have stones, which are represented by, like, little wooden discs. Every player gets four dice. You get some reroll cubes. You know, you can view them as, like, reroll potions if you want it to be a little more thematic, I guess. And you got some charms on you, too. Yeah, you start with, like, a little magic item. You know, like, everyone starts with an item that does something. There's six cards that show the six facings of dice out. There's a portal. There's a gateway to the the ethereal realm. And then there's relics and artifacts and other, like, allies of the Institute that you can get. 
The way the game works is simple. Every card shows you this is how many stones you must have on the person to be able to take them. There's another little number. You also have to have this many more stones than someone else. So it's not like a race like first to five wins. It's you need to have the five and then if anyone else is trying to get it, you gotta beat them out. Now when I say anyone else, I mean the person on the other side of the table because it's a game for two. So what's great is right out of the gate, two player only, very fun, very smooth. Basically you're rolling your dice and you're choosing action cards. You're gonna choose each number and you're either gonna place a stone there, place two stones there, or draw stones equal to your die roll. Simple decision space. You have six cards and four dice. You can look over at your opponent, see what they rolled, make decisions based on their numbers. You can like kind of get in your opponent's head. You can see what items you have. Like maybe you can use your items to help shift around your influence and try to win these better cards. Because once somebody gets 20 points worth of artifacts and allies, that's it. That's the game. Game end. High score wins. Very simple play. We've played it a few times already. Like we had one game that went maybe 30 minutes. Every game after that is like 15, 20. Yep. Once you like, get the hang of it, then it's like, bam, just go through. Okay, I'm going to get this card. I'm going to get this card and just keep rolling. But I do like the randomness of it too because it does, it feel, it almost has a feel of an auction type game, but it's kind of already predetermined for you by the roll of the dice, which I kind of like. Because then even after you roll the dice, you're like, man, I want to the other card. But sometimes you can even find a gem with the dice that's been rolled. So you'll see a card that you didn't even look before. It's like, oh, you know what? I could put stones on there. That's actually not a bad card. Yeah, and, and what's cool is like they have this like uh, this portal card that like it'll shift around the board and everything. But when you go to the portal, it's basically like a wild number. Like you can assign your dice to another object or... You can transfer one of your stones to the Ethereal Realm. And the Ethereal Realm offers like new options where you can get these charm cubes that also allow you to get re-rolls. Or you can even end up getting like extra victory points and the top card of the deck. So if you're really feeling chancy, you can just try to bank up, keep building up that Ethereal Realm, and really hope that you get a five-point artifact instead of a one-point. But still, a free card is a free card, and you're getting points regardless. It's, it's really cool. Uh, one thing that's awesome too, small game, doesn't take up much table space. It's like mm -hmm. 25 bucks. You know, it's a nice price point. It's a good play. The art is pretty decent. You know, it's like not ridiculously gorgeous, but it's good. You know? It's not sloppy. It's it, it's well thought out. Yeah. It's, and I, I'm always wondering too how it's the the theme of it where it says it's the Institute for Magical Arts, and all I can think of is really, like, just, like, a Hogwarts battle. Yeah, it's, it's like, <laughs> it's like the stones, I guess, are, like, you know, soul stones, and you're just, like, showing the uh, headmasters your powers of influence. Uh, and another little uh, bonus for me was, like, because of all the charms and relics and everything in this game, like, I started using those as, like, treasure cards in D&D, like, oh, you find a ring that looks like this! <laughs> you know? <laughs> so that, you know, it was, like, a little uh, a bonus for me. Another game that he made, Cosmic Run. We got to play that a little bit at Dexcon. Yeah. It's a roll and write game. Well, I had never played a roll and write game before. I didn't even understand what they were until we played it. Yeah. Um, it's really cool. It's another one-on-one -on -one where you're trying to outmaneuver each other. Like you're, you're basically both like rolling the dice and drafting dice. 
trying to get your ships through these asteroid fields and watch out for dangers and use special like warp powers and shield powers and everything to be able to get to the planets and score points. Yeah. You know, another one of these games where it's like he definitely likes dice. You know, it's like there's over like it's Wait, uh, can't you not tell from Biblios dice? <laughs> like, like right? dice? And and the dice in Biblios. And the dice in Biblios. So Biblios is a super fun game. It's a nice quick, like, you know, probably about I'd say once you get the hang of it, like twenty to thirty minutes. You know, at at four player count. Like two player count super quick. This game made me learn the word allocate. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what allocate meant. And I've seen it in most other games. And this game, you're allocating, allocating cards where you draw a card and you either decide to take it, put it in the public supply, or put it face down in the auction pile. And it goes back and forth until every, all the cards run out. And then what's really cool is then you go to the auction pile and you start auctioning the cards one by one, spending your gold for the car, for the the um, suits of cards, spending your cards for the gold so you can get more gold to get yeah. more suits of cards. The only thing is there are certain cards that you can get before the auction phase where you can change the dice because the dice determine how much each suit's going to be at the end of the game. So whoever has the most in a suit will get those victory points. Yeah, the most like points in that suit. So like some suits only have ones and twos, others mm -hmm. have like two, threes and fours. Mm -hmm. So you got to like kind of keep an eye out. Like, you know, you got to like always oh, look man, at like, your opponent. <laughs> yeah, like, man, did, did he take that orange card? I can't remember this and that. I feel like and, you need a pad with mm -hmm. that cuz you got to go, okay, I gave him an orange card. I gave him a red card. I got to <laughs> And those church cards that let you change the dice numbers, it's awesome when they end up in the auction pile. Yes. Cuz people wage high to make sure that their dice score yeah. or if they're losing that the other dice plummet. Yeah. You know, it's Biblios has actually become like one of my favorite take along games lately, just because of the speed of play. Like say like say we show up for a game night, and you know somebody's like in the middle of something, and they're like, oh like we're gonna be another thirty minutes or so. Biblios is a pretty sweet breakout game. Mm -hmm. Like we can break it out, play it. It comes in like a nice little magnetic box close thing. Again, really small footprint to the game. Not much table space. Not a lot of backpack space. Would you say that a lot if anyone with AP would might have difficulty playing this game? Because the fact that you have to draw one card at a time, you can't draw three cards. You draw one card at a time, not knowing what the next card will be, determining your fate. Yeah, it's like I kind of described this thing as a like push your luck meets bidding mechanic, because when you draw the top of that deck, and it's a three influence in like something you're trying to get high suits in, you know, like get some more cards going in. You're like, oh man, maybe I should take this. But you always have that fear that the four card will come out after you took it. But at the same time, if you don't take that three and then the next two cards are ones, mm -hmm. you feel like a fool. Yes. You know, it's. I don't know about so much AP. Like, I mean, I wouldn't recommend it for your AP players, but oh, it, it, it's just so good. That, and there's nothing grander than when you see somebody like, you know, put like a like take a card and they're like oh man this is good and then the next card's out and they're like no no Darren fuck and like they gotta like put, and they immediately put it in the auction pile and you're like yeah. well, I'm gonna save a few goals for that card like, yeah. I don't know what it is but I know I want it oh <laughs> man but talk about allocating my favorite I have to say of all of them so far 
would be herbaceous. Herbaceous is pretty cool. When I when <laughs> I saw it, I kind of fell in love yeah. with it before I even knew how to play the game, because it's a gardening game, but it's a simple herb gardening game where you're doing the same exact thing as if you're doing a bibliose. You're allocating cards. I was gonna say, would you describe it as a push your luck meets herbs and gardening? Yeah. <laughs> Did you make that up? Or did you steal that from somebody? Uh, no, it's yeah. pretty much like a lot of his games are like push your luck meets. Push your luck meets. Yeah. And then same thing also, they have the set collections, but instead you put them in pots. And it's depending on how many cards are in the potted, potted um, your pots. <laughs> yeah, like the four different like uh, potting zones. Yeah. It's like it's an interesting uh, set collection because you have these pots where it's like one just wants you to get like as many different types of herbs as possible. Another wants you to get pairs of different herbs. Another wants you to get as many as you can of the same type. And then the other is like these three special herbs. You can only put three things in there. But if you get a run of the set, the one, two, and three, you get a bonus scoring card. The biscuit. The infamous biscuit. Oh, the biscuit worth five victory points. Would That could make and break a, a game. Yeah. That. And... Again, Herbaceous is a game of, you know, it's like you draw the top card. It's either going in your garden or the public garden. Mm -hmm. When you're making your sets, you can always take from the public garden, but only when you're making your sets. Like, you can't bank up stuff from the public. So when you see, like, three or four of the same type, like, you know, you see, uh, like, Lavender in there, you're like, oh, man, I should probably just should probably just make my set right now and get all those Lavenders. And then you see somebody else like yoink and you just yes. feel heartbroken and devastated. You have to also, <laughs> this is another game you have to look at your opponent because you have to see what sets he's trying to collect because you know that he will eventually take the cards that you're eyeballing. And then it will become a fact of you can either go for getting six cards in a plant, say like get six different cards. You can either go for that or if even if you try to get that seventh card for more points, he could, the opponent can just take it from you. Now, one of the things is, I remember before we even played this, when you were just looking at the art, you were like, oh, this looks so nice. It is so nice, the art. Uh, I think that's a side effect of the, uh, the Sobel effect. Sobel? Beth Sobel oh. does really good art. She's actually currently working on the art for another one of his projects which he's going to have on Kickstarter soon. And once it's there, I can't wait. Mm -hmm. uh, we got to play test that game a little bit, and we'll have more about that as soon as it releases. That's another game that's super fun and uh, really captures more of a, a floral theme, much like Herbaceous. Now, the last two that we just mentioned, again, these games are like about $20, $22. You know? And what's nice is both Herbaceous and Biblios a little of that push your luck, a little like tempting fate, you know, trying to make sure you get your sets, get your runs. But at the same time, the game is fast enough where if like if you blow it, you don't feel devastated. You know, you're not happy. Don't get me wrong. But it has the perfect playtime where if you've got enough time, you can go, all right, you know what? We're doing this again. Like that. I don't like how that went at all. We're doing this again. Like we've had that with Herbaceous where yep. I get a blowout. Next game, you get a ridiculous blowout. And then we're like, well, you know, I mean, we already played twice. We gotta do the rubber band match. I mean, <laughs> but what's great is also herbaceous. You can play it one player. Now I know how sometimes people feel about like one player games, where you know it's like the lonely heart, where you're just at home, 
you know, you don't have anybody to play games with and you whip out a game. Like, this game is actually really good solo. And it actually, it does challenge you. Because when I first got it, before I even played with you, I played solo. And I was marking down my scores each time. I was doing a game after game after game. And once I got the hang of it, I noticed that my scores were going up. You bit get a little of that bit. power creeps in your score. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, one thing that's pretty cool is uh, Biblios, a buddy of mine at the uh, Dexcon was mentioning, he's like, oh yeah, Biblios, it's kind of like a simplified version of scripts and scriptures. Now, to be honest, I've never played scripts and scriptures. Never heard of scripts and scriptures. I do know it's like an older game that people have always spoken highly of. and It's about s- scripts and or scriptures i think that's at least 50 percent of what the game covers uh, i'm sure monks are in there somewhere yeah. um you know maybe a samuel tarley expansion where he's uh <laughs> copying the maester's words but the thing is uh it was great because you know he was like yeah scripts and scriptures is a really good game you should play that sometime and dr finn was just like oh if you like scripts and scriptures you should play biblios dice and the guy was just like, oh, that's just like the dice version of Biblioso, right? I don't need something even simpler. And he's like, no, no, it's scripts and scriptures just in the, the Biblios world. And all I know is the guy immediately went over, picked it up and purchased it. And then I saw him like calling his friend. And then this other dude comes over and he's like, they still got it? They still got it? And he bought one too. <laughs> and I'm like, um, okay, I don't know what this is, but I feel like I have to buy it now. Yeah. So... <laughs> This is something we have to acquire. Yeah, so uh, so we also got a copy, which we will cover in a future uh, episode, because unfortunately time's been tight, but that's also part of the reason we've been playing so many of Finn's games lately, because there's been a few nights where you've been getting home from work, like 10, 10.30, mm-hmm. it's like, oh man, we gotta go to bed in an hour. We Let's can still play some herbaceous! <laughs> yeah, we can actually enjoy a little time, like, you know, yeah. wind down, play some cards. And it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not brain burning, but at the same time... There's strategy to it. Yeah, it's like, it's not that game where, like, after playing it, then we go to bed where I'm up for an hour, like, oh man, I blew it. I should Man, if only I did this instead of this, and I should have never looked at that. It's like. It's no feast for Odin. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it, it's not like a, a three hour Euro that's burning your brain out. Like, it's. Or even an hour, an hour game, like if the Great Western Trail, like if you're playing that, it's, it's not something like that. But. It's still more. Uh, it's strategic enough where you want to make sure that you get as many points as your opponent while keeping an eye on your opponent. You know. Yeah, and um, I mean, like even like one of the other things too is just like I was saying about like the speed of play and everything. I am just like a huge fan of this notion of there is a decision space like you know you do feel like you're pressing your luck you do feel pressure for decisions but it's you can also come back from it because everyone's in that same space it's not like one bad play by you and you lost the game because you made one bad call like everyone has that same opportunity for success and failure so like if you get blown out you probably made multiple bad choices but again it's it's not a, a devastating consequence, you know? And the score range, it's not it's not like someone could get insane points while another person's like getting such minute scores. Yeah. So it's usually kinda close a lot of the times. Now one other game that again unfortunately we didn't get to play yet in time is Capo de Cappy. 
And in a shocking twist, it's a push your luck dice game <laughs> of oh. mobsters and mafia bosses during Prohibition and everything. This was a game that's been around for a little bit. I think I'm I'm gonna take a stab and say it's probably been like at least like four years or so. Cause I remember like at our old game store is when I first heard about it. And This again, is before we knew about Dr. Finn. Yeah, it's like back when it was just like, oh yeah, Bibli-ish. that uh, that book game, Bibbly something. <laughs> Bibblies. <laughs> but it's like uh Cavity Cappy, it's like it was another one of those things where you know, like we don't really have like mobster style games, and like n- like we don't have like any like too many of those titles because never like really appeal too much to us. But when that title is twenty bucks, mm. you feel like you can afford to take a stab at it. You know, it's like I've heard a couple of good things about it. I'm looking forward to playing that one in the future. And the the one that we've picked up most recently and we've spoken about a couple of times before is Cog. Now. If you you know if you didn't catch those other episodes or you're not really sure about it, here's what's pretty cool. Um, you know, like there's a few games that take off that Scrabble mechanic, like Letter Tycoon and Paperback, mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, instead of letter tiles, it's cards, and you're trying to make words and stuff like that. And you know, it's like it's the creating words as the mechanic. Mm-hmm. Well, Cod decided to take the other half of the Scrabble mechanic, where it's where you place the tiles and getting additional bonuses. So. You actually have a set list of words. You can only draw from, like, and you can't just make any word. You have to make words that are on these checklists. But you actually lay them out like you would in Scrabble. And what's cool is covering certain titles, like tiles, will get you more tiles, more points, extra cards, whatever. Like all these like little like you know kicker bonuses. So your placement matters. But what's interesting is knowing that he's dealing with like limited space and only so many words he gives you these like little power tokens that you can use to make things wild even after they already been in play so if you say have already spelled the word spring and you have ulb and you want to make bulb and you're like can't get that other b to save my life you use one of those tokens and you can make any of the letters in spring face down and now it's the b for bulb and the end in spring and whatever else you know and stuff like that and there are even little spots on the boards where if you complete a word over them you can get certain things like yeah tiles like or cards points and everything and there is even there's even certain cards that can make letters into randoms so like i had a card where b's are yeah, now like all random m's and y's are automatically wild for you and everything I call them and, random, <laughs> randos. And what I what I think is like pretty cool in this game is, it actually employs a small amount of worker placements, because yes. there's the cog board and it has four different sides, and each side you can only place your worker one time. Like one of them is like bonus tiles and bonus like, uh, like bonus like random tiles or like the tiles that you use to create the random letters that you can also cash in for extra letter tiles if you're like running low on letters. Then the other side is player order, and that's going to grant little bonuses. Like, if you go later in the round, you're going to get bonuses. Then the other side is these power cards, where you get, like, these unique cards and everything. So, like, you might get points. You might get new abilities off your dice. And did I say dice? Oh, snap. (laughs) There's dice in the game, where that's the fourth side, because the dice are rolled, and there's a little inside track that you're moving pawns around. 
if you land on an unoccupied space, you get whatever's inside that space. So again, extra letters or extra options. And I like that the victory points are little tiny tokens. Like not like the little extra cards. Yeah, like they're almost like one cards. and like a half inch like uh, yeah. square cards or anything. And what's cool is there's like a little spot on your board you can face down so nobody can know exactly how many points mm -hmm. you got. Until of course you go, uh, yeah, can I cash in these uh, five fives <laughs> for one of those 25 cards? Thank you. But I do how like... I know some people might not like the fact that each side you can only place one once per round. Yeah. But that all I think that also helps somebody from running away with the game. Well, because otherwise I would make my first four actions player order, and then you don't ever get to go again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go first and second and third. Exactly. <laughs> or just take all yeah. the all the letters from the the tiles. And my favorite now this game is based on like a steampunk theme. You know, and all the words are like light bulb, gas, oil, spring, cog, coil. And um, during an event of cog, somebody was like, well, this theme seems a little pasted on. And Dr. Finn was just like, uh, yeah, because it is. I decided to go with spring and cog instead of swords and elves. Is everyone okay with that? They are good. Let's continue. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was absolute gold. Because that's the thing. That's the good thing about his games he is all about the mechanics and then he figures out what kind of theme he can put in to those mechanics and it works because so so what if instead of um steampunk it's swords and elves like even yeah. if he made it swords and elves who cares yeah the, like, the gameplay itself i was gonna say he can uh, really take fun. a page out of century spice road where it's uh <laughs> just like how they have the golem edition that they only yeah. sold at gen con or origins he can make like the, uh, you know, the sci-fi version of Cog that's only available yeah. at cons, you know. Mm -hmm. Laser. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Laser ship starfighter. Alien. But, but um, the other thing too is like even Cog, it's like Cog is like his highest price game, and that's fifty bucks. But you and, do there's a lot. Yeah, and the reason is because there's wood in the box, there's big player boards, there's a ton of tiles, there's the cards, the victory point tokens, like. There, there's a bit more in that box like you know it's it's worth the price and i mean we i mean god we probably already got like half a dozen plays out of this thing i think i, I want to because i know sometimes when there's games that are designated for four players sometimes playing two players is not as great but his game the cog even though it's for it could be a four player game playing a two player nothing you don't really have to alternate the game so much yeah, it's like that's that's another one of his things too because Cog two, three, and four has been good. Biblios at two, three, and four has been good. Um, the Institute is two player only. Cosmic is only two player. But even Herbaceous, we only got to play that two player. Um, like we haven't broken out four yet, but it's just like that simplistic nature. Like it's so easy to grasp that. It's not gumming up the works when you invite other people. Like sometimes you have that game where you're like, "Man, this is really fun," and then two other people are like, "Oh man, can I play?" And you're like, "Uh, uh um, no, yeah, just I'm tired." Oh <laughs> uh, God, have a seat. This is gonna suck. Like but that doesn't happen with his games. I don't know. Um, I don't think you saw it, but Herbaceous, um, because of how the game plays with the allocating cards. I know with four players, it could get a little, like, um, a little tight with scoring, but he actually has it where if you want to play four players, you can do teams. Oh, uh, that's cool. And then doing the teams, 
it eliminates that whole like, oh, are there going to be enough carts for all of us? That's actually a pretty cool idea. Now, um, a few of the styles that we haven't gotten to play, the Butterfly Garden. You know I want to play the Butterfly Garden. I know you do. Yeah, it's, it's, like, <laughs> it's like Herbaceous 2.0. It's like Limited the Shade. You collect butterflies? All right, yeah. kids are already in. Look, the butterflies uh, are landing on the herbs. Uh, Let Them Eat Shrimp is another one of his titles. Uh, you swim, spawn, and avoid sharks in the underwater adventure game. Uh, it's like a tile-laying game. Oh, tile-laying. I need to get into this one, too. Um... <laughs> And again, this is another one of his games where he actually made like two sets of rules for like early players and advanced players. Mm. And the most ruthless of his games is Foragers, where again, another one I didn't get to play, but a buddy of mine was like, I was like, oh, how is Foragers? And he did like from the side, I just hear mean, 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 mean. He's like, that is not a good game for couples. I would not recommend that for you and Kim. She gets competitive. I'm like, okay. Oh man, really? Yeah, it's like, um, like he even described it as like his first like non-filler. It's like a little more on uh, like decisions coming back to haunt you if you make bad plays, and it's more adversarial. But at the same time, it does look pretty interesting. I mean, it's it's such a small it's in a small box. You don't think it's gonna be something so heavy. Yeah. Now the one that I will say this too is um, the only strike on foragers is you got to kind of like look around at cons or local shops for that one. That's actually like, like that's one of his earlier games and also a like not currently available on his site game, which if only I knew when I was at Dexcon, but I will be looking forward to it at uh, Metatopia, the next uh, Dexcon double exposure event. Oh yeah. So if we can catch him and him selling his games, that'd be great. I think he's going to be there, and I think I'm going to be there. <laughs> Even if I have to just go in for a quick hour and pick it up. But th this is, like, a really cool thing because it's nice to know that there's somebody out there making the quicker games, the more accessible games, and it's not... It's, like, a, one of the things I always hear is, like, oh, like, there's no decision space in this game. Like, there's always the optimal move. Even though his games have more random factor, I like that it takes that out. You know, like, if we're playing uh, Agricola, for example, right? Like, even if we were playing, like, the All Creatures Big and Small option or something like that, the two-player game of that, if you have the option of taking four sheep or one wood, it's you're taking the four sheep. It's, like, it's points, and you're going to, you know, even if you take it just so I can't have it. Yeah. You know, it's, like, smaller decision space. His games, because of that pressing your luck, because you're dealing with things as they happen you know you're not looking like you're not planning out four rounds down the road you're like man how can i get points this turn next turn all right i need to get points this turn too like i like that edging play you know it makes it go smoother it it helps eliminate some of that ap and it's also more fun yeah you know and again in a fast game i i like decisions i also like laughs i like smiles I like at the end, especially if the game is quick enough where you're like, no, no, rematch. We, yeah. It does it does not go down like this. We are playing again. Because you know? even when we played Institute for Magical Arts, that took like almost like 15 minutes. Yeah, there was one game where I, I just got my ass handed to me. And it was like, well, it's only 922, so guess what? Uh, yep. We're not going up yet. You're, <laughs> you're staying here for another game. <laughs> and uh, the second game, uh, I mean, I still lost, but, you know, whatever. I, I'm a man. I can take my losses. It's fine. And what's, what's There's no hard feelings. 
And what's good, uh, and also uh, back to Institute for Magical Arts, it's simultaneous play. Everyone's doing everything at the same time, so it's not like um, all the other games where you take a turn to pick the cards, the other player goes and pick the cards. This is both of you roll your dice, both of you choose what cards going to assign to that dice, both of you place your stones onto that dice. Yeah, and it's again, what I like is you can look over your opponent. You can know what they're going to have access to, but that does not mean you know what they're going to do. Like, you're like, mm -hmm. huh, you got a lot of threes over there. I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but like I said, I mean, that's one of the things about taking your lumps. You know, sometimes you just got to, you just got to have to like, you know, like edge on and, uh, and, you know, just deal with it as it comes, which is fun, man. I, I dig that a lot. You know, so, uh, you know, we may have made this a little bit rapid fire, but the thing is, we decided that we didn't want to talk about the games longer than it takes to play the games. Yeah. <laughs> and also, we also got that great interview with you, uh, with Dr. Finn himself down at Dexcon. And one thing that was really cool was, uh, because he is a designer, uh, if you listen to the episode frequently, you might remember back about a month ago. Kurt and I did a little episode and it was the unfinished business from non-professionals. And we talk about like, you know, how we're trying to design games and like some of the snafus that we hit. Finn was kind enough to help along with a little advice too. Yeah. I got to ask him a few questions about that and it was there really cool that he uh, helped us out. So without further ado, uh, we are going to give you the interview with the man himself, my client, <laughs> Steve! <laughs> <laughs> hey what's up everyone i am here with one of the coolest guys in the game design game and that is dr finn of dr finn games how are you doing today i'm doing very well good to be here so we're at dexcon 20 uh we got to visit by and see dr finn once more and you might remember a few episodes back we mentioned the game cog that we checked out at dreamation and we have finally been able to pick it up easily one of the coolest games ever but what are some of the other titles that you've done besides COG? Well, I'm most known for a game called Biblios, which is published by Yellow, and also a game called Herbaceous, um, which is published by Pencil First Games and illustrated by Beth Sobel, who right now is uh, very hot. A lot of people love her art. Uh, those are my most popular games, uh, but the ones that I have published for myself would include... Um, I have a Biblios Dice, Institute for Magical Arts, Capo Capi, Butterfly Garden, Foragers, Cosmic Run, uh, and I could go on. There's a couple more there. Uh, Just a few titles, yeah, right? Yeah, a few titles. <laughs> I've had, I believe, 12 uh, successful Kickstarter campaigns, and then two games picked up by the other, you know, the other two I've already mentioned. Nope. So I think I'm at 14. That's to be honest, I kind of lose track sometimes. <laughs> Like, one thing I noticed is, like, uh, you know, like, when you play a UA Rosenberg game, you know it's UA Rosenberg because you're going to be getting weed and feeding animals or, like, filling in yes, ports yes. and stuff. But you got a steampunk Scrabble game that has worker placement. You got a set collection game of herbs. You got a somewhat mean tile laying game in Foragers. Like, do you always just try to make something different every time? Do you, Or are you just, like, looking for niches that aren't filled and you want to make that game? I am uh, always trying new mechanics out uh, or new combinations of mechanics. Uh, it's always hard, I think, to find a unique mechanic, you know, because at least for me, I think um, I'm somewhat of a thief. So 
I'm also a teacher. So people have said being a good teacher is being a good thief because you're always stealing ideas from other people. So I'm constantly stealing ideas from other people, but then I am just trying to, but where I think I might add to it is I combine different mechanics um, to create something unique. I mean, the most obvious example of that is COG, which has worker placement in, in a crossword game. Um, well, we always refer to it as liberating ideas. Right, yes. There we go. It's <laughs> a little better than I know. I, I steal them. I'm going to just say right out there, I steal mechanics. Uh, but the themes, yeah, I'm all over the place with themes. I like to try to come up with things that are original, that people just, uh, you know, not common or, you know, sometimes... I don't know where that, you know, I'll just be listening to the radio and I say, wow, that's a good idea. Um, you know, for example, or someone will say something. My son yesterday, we were standing in here at the elevator, uh, near the elevator, and he noticed that there was an H, like some number, H4, you know, a letter with a number above the elevator. And he said, oh, it's a elevator." And I said to myself, there we go. That's the name <laughs> of a game. I have to make a elevator game, which is about, you know, a, an elevator that goes to hell. <laughs> I don't know if I'm actually going to make that game. Okay, but, so you know, games just pop out at me, and I say that's what I'm going to do. And yeah. You just like kind of like almost make it like the movie. Five player, one person is possessed, and every turn somebody's eliminated. That would be awesome. There you go. <laughs> uh, so uh, the themes that come to me, and also, I, you know, I always tell people, my weaknesses. So I will say right off the bat that if you are a fan of heavy thematic games that you feel like you are, you know, in the Middle <laughs> Ages collecting books for a monastery and, uh, you know, doing all the stuff that that would be necessary to do, uh, you're not going to get it from most of my games. Foragers is actually is, I think, very thematic, but Biblios is not. It could be anything. So I'm a, I'm a focused... I'm focused on mechanics. The theme oftentimes comes later, and uh, or sometimes it might come first. But then I say, what what would be good mechanics to fit with this? Uh, but for the most part, my games are not about having an immersive experience with the theme. But they are usually about, and this is what I try to pride myself on, is having an immersive experience with the game itself, uh, being caught up in making the right decision. I always want to try to give my players many decisions to make and hard choices well what i know too is it's always like a solid gameplay you don't have any of those like ridiculous rules where oh you cash in two of these for these and once it's a fourth round in which case it costs like your games are just solid across the i board. try to streamline them as much as i can and i i don't like having exceptions so whenever exactly. i have a game that has exceptions i try to limit those exceptions to only what is absolutely necessary yeah, yeah. like um and what you were saying about theme is my favorite was during a demo of COG when you mentioned it's a steampunk. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And somebody's like, oh, what steampunk things? And you're like, that doesn't matter. So here's how you look <laughs> Well, you know, so when you're, you know, some people, when they demo games, try to really capture people with the theme. Uh, I don't want to waste people's time. And it's a long game already. So I figure, let me just get in and explain how to play it rather than me tell you, hey, you're getting these items to give to the cabinet of gadgetry. Yeah. Like one other thing I noticed too, and this is like something I really appreciate, a lot of your games work the same and equally as well at two, three, and four players. Like, you know, certain games like Lords of Waterdeep, whatever, you play two players, there's just, it's very, eh. Like, you're not feeling yes. it. Like, you want that max player count. But Biblios at two, three, and four is awesome. You know, uh, Herbaceous at, you know, all player counts works. The 
cog at all player counts works that's like a really impressive thing like that's one of well, my favorite you. parts of the stuff i try hard to uh make sure that that does work that way uh and for example with my most recent game cosmic run rapid fire uh which is coming out soon to a store near you actually to my website near you um that i originally thought of as a two or really one to four player game i'm starting to get more into the solo game design as well but i originally thought of it as a one to four it wasn't really working at three to four. It was slowing down the game. Uh, and so to keep the integrity of the game, I decided to just make it a one and two player game, which is limiting. Uh, it, it cuts down on the number of people that probably want the game because of that. But I would rather have a game that's solid at one and two than to have a game that's solid at one and two and okay at three and bad at four. Yeah, but you know what? Solo games are still popping up a lot more, like the low player count podcast. And yes, yes. And also for couples, too. Yes. I uh, Yeah, I like to think... I know a lot of uh, couples... Yes, <laughs> I'm looking at one right now. That uh, play my games and are, you know, are, are always happy with the two-player versions of the, the longer games. And I also have a number of two-player games. I also uh, do that because it's easier to play test. So because I'm an independent publisher and I don't have a lot of resources, I can't constantly have a, a large... I don't have a large team of people to play test with. So it's easy to make a two-player game. It's very easy, of course, to make a one-player version of a game because I can just sit there myself and keep doing it over and over. Uh, or if I play, I, I can play against myself, which I often do, you know, and it's much easier to keep track of two people. So I do like to do two-player games uh, because I think there is a market for it, but also because uh, they're easier, in a sense, for me to play test a lot and make sure that the mechanics are right. Yeah, speaking of playtesting your games, uh, recently me and Kurt talked about the hangups that we have when we try to make the games that we talk about. Like, what would you say is, like, the the best thing to go from just jotting down the idea to playing your game? Like, Well, I, I mean, playing a game. Don't think about the game too much and get it, get a little, get a rough prototype ready. And whatever your basic idea is, just start doing it, even if it's sitting down there by yourself. So I'm working on a game now, uh, Herbaceous Dice. Uh, for yeah we're following it up and that has already now gone through like eight very different forms and i haven't even play tested with other people except my sons a couple times with the newest version but the first like five different versions what seemed to be a great idea in my head as soon as i sat down at the table i printed up the components you know they were you know, just basic stuff you know I, I sometimes even just hand write them out uh and I sit there and I do a round and I can immediately tell whether this idea even works. So you can't go too far just in your mind about what you think is going to happen. Because I, I can't say how many times I've said to myself, wow, this is going to be great. And then within <laughs> literally within two minutes, I say, this is crap. Yeah, what am I doing? You know, I, this is just bad. I got I to gotta go in a new direction. Um, so it's, it's all about just not hesitating and just going ahead and doing it uh, because the more that you play it the more quickly you discover what is and is not good about it and then you just make you know make, make adjustments and then do it again yeah, so instead of trying to make like the next like uh, agricola or feast for odin just get something and you can always add or trim uh, exactly you know and keep that in mind, <laughs> in mind you know it's well you know if you're trying to make a a, a very complicated game uh, 
you can get bogged down. You know, I could see that. I, I got bogged down with COG because that was my most complicated game. And actually, Foragers, which is my second most complicated game as far as I go, because I usually do light fillers, uh, or not light fillers, but, you know, lighter games. The uh, playtesting of COG just really, really dragged on for a while. And Foragers, it took a long time because there's so many things. As you know, there's a lot of things going on in the game. Even though it seems simple when it's done, yeah. the idea is all right, getting there. <laughs> you got to get there. You got to figure out all right, what are all the extraneous things I can get rid of, even if even though it's a complicated game. I mean, it's it's also simple to drive a car, but I couldn't exactly build one on my own. Oh, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Now, uh, speaking of some of your games, what do you got on the horizon? Is there uh, we got some projects coming up? I here? have uh, at least two things I'm working. Yeah, there's a third in my mind that has come out a little. Uh, the first thing that's going to be coming out. On Kickstarter in probably in late July or August, maybe September. I want to see how quickly I can get reviews uh, posted. Uh, is the Little Flower Shop, which is a uh, set collection game that takes or uh, what was the word that you used when not stealing? Uh, liberating. I am liberating <laughs> the uh, card drafting mechanic from Seven Wonders and Sushi Go to uh, enter that card drafting into a world of flower shops so it's a very basic uh it's a very simple game to play and uh you are uh dealt a card of seven a hand of seven cards you've got a mix of vases flowers you've got some money and there's delivery cards and hanging baskets you choose a card and pass just like in the other games i mentioned and then you have to choose the right combinations of cards to score the the right kind of points and at the end you have in front of you a uh, wonderfully looking, beautifully illustrated uh, flower shop window. That's that, what we uh, love. You know, and that's that's what you have. That's what we love. From we got yeah. to actually play the prototype, and it's what's nice is it's no between round scoring. Like you kind of know right. what you're sitting at. Yes. But that can actually change. Like you can choose to get rid of some of your low point cards. It's not like you're stuck with things. You can score a lot in that last round. Yeah. Yeah. And it looks awesome at the end. You're like, even when you lose, you're like, I don't care. My shop is awesome. Right? Yeah. <laughs> So that was, uh, you know, that was uh, that's the first game that's coming out. The second game um, is the water. I think it's going to be called this. I'm still working on the title, but it's the waters or just waters of Nereus. Uh, Nereus apparently is a Greek god of of, the wa of water. You know, he's <laughs> one of those Greek gods. He's not Poseidon he's or Ares, or yeah. you know, he's another Greek. Or my, I, I think I just mentioned Roman gods. I get, I get my Greek and Roman gods confused sometimes. Um, and that is going to be illustrated by Beth Sobel, who did the artwork for Herbaceous. And uh, she's already started sending me pictures uh, of her art, and I am super excited. This is the first time I'll have uh, different illustrations for each player. So each player in this game, you're in charge of a crew. It's, a, it's set in a fantasy world called Nereus that is mostly water. And uh, it's essentially a explore and pick up uh, I still don't have a name for them, but they're going to be like those crystals. You know, there'll be some sort of energy crystals or something. And then you use those to pay off your crew who want certain combinations of crystals to score certain points. And they also give you powers. Um, it's a action. It's card, act, you know, a card selection. I can't remember what it's called. There, you have action cards. And in each round, a certain number can be played, uh, which is determined by a random flip of, a, of another deck of cards. And you choose which actions you're going to play of the seven different actions you have. Um, 
And then they'll do things like point your boat in a certain direction, move your boat, pick up treasures, uh, convert money to, to gold, convert gold to, you know, et cetera. So there's different kinds of things that you can do. So that's, uh, that's going to be one of my longer games. It's probably going to be about a 45 minutes to an hour game. The flower shop, as you, as you know, yesterday, it's a real, you know, you can pound it out in 15 minutes. Good, quick, yeah, nice, fun awesome. little game. Uh, so Waters of Nereus is going to be a little heavier, but again, like most of my games, they're streamlined. Once you play one round, it's very easy to play all the future rounds. You know, it doesn't get any more complicated than that. Um, I am also working on a book that would be simply uh, paper and pencil games that are abstract versions of all the games I have now. So, for example, I have a game called Let Them Eat Shrimp, but this version is going to be called Let Them Eat Shapes. And uh, <laughs> what you'll do is, uh, so what I'm trying to do is you get a little book, there's perforated sheets, you pull out the sheet, and you say, let's play a game. You know, you could be on a train, you could be on a plane, you could, you know, be in the backseat of a car. You know, I know maybe if you're very talented, maybe you can even be driving and somehow play a game. <laughs> I don't know. I don't recommend that. Uh, now I'm going to have to put a little disclaimer. Right? Say, don't play while driving. I, I can't think of anything worse than one <laughs> AP while stuck in traffic. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so what I wanted to do is have a cool, like a cool idea for a very portable thing. No dice. No, no. But, but then I had to come up with a way to randomize things because dice always help. So I have, I have on each page, I have some dice rolls that you can choose from, or there'll be some random process. It's still a, a very loose thing. Maybe some flipping coins. But I have a, I, I already have in work in progress. I have a let them eat shapes, uh, cosmic cube for cosmic run, a, a cube de capi for co you know whatever. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be cute, but <laughs> cylinder de capi. Play it. You know who knows. So uh, that's the other thing that I'm working on. I also have other ideas percolating, but those three are the main things. All right. So for all these awesome games, if people want to find out about the Kickstarters or even get some of the games you got now, where should they go? You should go to drfins.com. Uh, it's my website, and you can find out about all my games there. They have links to videos. I actually have videos on there, video reviews of many of the games. Uh, and then there's links to all the board game, you know, board game geek sites uh, related to the game. Also, I, I do give out a free game every month for those people who are on my email list. I draw a random name each month. And so go to my webpage, sign up to my email list, follow me on Facebook and Twitter. All right. So you heard that, Kurt. We have to immediately sign up on this news list <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and check out all these awesome games. All right. Thank you so much, Dr. Finn. Have a thank great you. one. Dan. Thank you. Take care. Okay, and we want to once again thanks Dr. Finn for spending a little time and chatting it up with us. Hey, Kim, did you know that you can always get in touch with the show? How? You can go on Twitter at MFGCast. That's always a pretty fun thing to do. Ooh. You can also go on Facebook, look up MFGCast. And you know what? Recently it was Kurt's birthday. I think you should definitely be doing this for him, people. Give him a shout out. Nothing says, you know what? Have a good one, like following somebody on Twitter, liking their page on Facebook. You know what you can also do? You can even check out Dr. Finn himself. You can go on Twitter to at Dr. Finn's Games. I'm going to spell that one out for you. S-A-W! Oh, no, 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 I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. I'm going to not flood the show with wrestling because Kurt no. said try to keep it under control before he was ruthlessly abducted. But you can find him at D-R-F-I-N-N-S-G-A-M-E-S. -N -N -E That's at Dr. Finn's Games. 
You can also find him on the web at www.drfins.com. No need to put the games there. He's already supplied them all. (laughs) So with that, we want to say thank you once again for listening, and we cannot wait to have you back for the next episode of BMFG Cast. Have a good time gaming, everyone. Legends of Tabletop Podcast. Creating legends one die at a time.